Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Good, uh, good morning again. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, glad that uh, you're here today as we start the new year. It's been great uh, as we've seen what God did during this past year. And we're going to have a time where we really reflect on that. If you're new around the church, this was an incredible year uh, with what God did, not only on this campus, on the two new campuses. Uh, we've started, and, and they're going well, and another one around the corner. And I, I don't want to look so much organizationally, though. I want to look personally at uh, what God would want to do in our life. And it, there's something about the turn of the calendar where we tend to be a little bit more open uh, to change, uh, oftentimes it doesn't work out. Uh, in fact, one person wrote this, that New Year's resolutions are like babies. They're fun to make, but extremely difficult to maintain. And uh, any of you would say, that's me. Hey, here's some I came across. These are supposedly real that uh, maybe you could keep. Uh, here's one New Year's resolution. I will become so organized with laundry that I won't even have to sniff my pants picked up off the floor to see if they're clean enough to wear again. Uh, uh, here's the second one. I will stop buttering my donuts. Now, some of you are disgusted. Some of you just got a good idea. Uh, this one, I like this one. I will go to bed when Netflix asks me if I'm still watching. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's got a big laugh every service with this. And then, never again will I take sleeping pills and laxatives on the same night. <laughs> Yeah, so, so those seem achievable, don't they? Uh, now, we're in church, and everything I say today, I, I, I truly believe, if you apply it to your work life, you'll, you'll go better. Your relationships, it'll go better. Friendships, any area of your life, I think that God's principles, there's a lift in our life. But what I want you to do, though, is even though that's true, whether God's going to speak to you when it comes to work or finances or kids or marriage, I want you to consider that the life with God first and foremost. Now, that doesn't surprise you you're in church. In fact, everyone, uh, not everyone, but most people have this spiritual sense. I live in an incredibly, wonderfully uh, diverse neighborhood uh, in every way spiritually uh, and uh, the neighborhood next door there's an imam that lives there there's people who are no religion uh, buddhist hindu uh, just all sorts of uh, people honestly not a, a, a lot of people that i've been able to discern uh, are are christ followers not even churchgoers uh, per se and in fact uh, recently there was a religious leader uh I don't think you call it sort of guru type leader of this one faith that came into our neighborhood on our street. And he was there holding court for about uh, a week. And uh, it was a big deal. In fact, the, the uh, street has been clogged with cars. And I didn't feel bad because I figured if we do a Bible study, no one can complain uh, about it. And there were like these two brand new black vans out front. There was security and, and all of that. And so uh, people are there. And honestly, uh, I, uh, I thought it would be interesting to even find out uh, what just sort of what that person believes. Not that I, I would agree. I, I think it's probably an in, 
or I, I would believe it's an inaccurate view of who God is, but I'm always wondering why, why do people believe the things they believe? So I was thinking about that. I decided to take my dog, Jack, for a walk. I love my, da- my dog, Jack, is an 11 and a half year old golden retriever who has a bit of an eating disorder. He eats everything. And uh, so I, I took him for a walk, which, by the way, is admirable. Uh, hey, did we turn the lights on for a reason, guys? Uh, it was 18 degrees out. Uh, that, and so I took my uh, dog, Jack, for a walk. It's about 18 degrees out, so I'm walking down the street. Here's the problem is that I didn't have, uh, I didn't have my uh, gloves. I didn't have any gloves. And so I put on uh, a shirt, a sweatshirt. I didn't have a hat, so I put on my hoodie. I put on a big coat, and then I put my hands in my pockets. What I didn't realize, when the wind is blowing and you're wearing a hoodie with a big dark overcoat and your hands in your pockets going by armed security, <laughs> that this is not a good idea. And in fact, they, they, uh, they uh, walked after my, me and my dog for about a block. And uh, I thought that was interesting. I actually wanted to go in and just sort of say, hey, for a couple reasons, like I said, hey, what do you believe? And two, I also wanted to figure out how he got this gig, because it's working out for a lot better for him than it is for me, uh, as, as he has all of that. These people were coming, and they had this sense of spiritual searching. Searching is great, but what we really want is a search that will lead us somewhere in our life. And I wish I could tell you that all it took was uh, good thoughts, all, I t- all it takes is good intentions, but really for real progress, there's more that needs to happen than that. Here's one thing I want you to get right up front. Christianity is based in grace. Grace is that you will not find this in Islam and Judaism and Buddhism and Hinduism. Grace is different than every other faith system. Mercy you will find. Mercy is, I don't get the bad thing I deserve. Grace is this, is that God initiates on my behalf something good when I didn't deserve it, when I wasn't even looking for it. And that's it, it's a free gift. I don't have to do anything but simply receive it. And if you have come here and you're looking for God, know it's by God's grace he offers that to you if you'd receive it. And that's how we come into relationship with God. But let me also say this as well. That a life, the life that Jesus promises, that's full and abundant, that it begins with grace, but there is something we do to step into that. Because here, here's, uh, here's what I thought. I, I was praying about this, and I didn't just want to give, you know, a talk that you would listen to. Uh, I was thinking, what would move the ball forward spiritually for you and me in a significant way? What is that going to look like? And what does it look like biblically, but also practically? And so today, if, uh, if you say, you know, I'm ready for a little bit of a challenge, and it's not from me, it's really from God, I think that, that we're going to make progress that you're going to go further faster than you ever thought you could in your life with God, that the things that held you back don't need to hold you back any, any further, any longer. In fact, in Hebrews 12, it says this. This is uh, the first verse on your outline. It says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And in fact, this life with God is often referred to as a race. 
There's a beginning, there's a, a destination, but there's also that middle long part. 32 times we see this sense of determination talked about in the Bible. It says in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge and to uh, knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance. Will you underline perseverance? See, the biblical virtue, the Bible virtue is perseverance. We get that. We know that there needs to be a sense of perseverance. The question is how? And how it happens is through this thing called grit. Uh, that's a more common term that we find. Where it, it's, grit is uh, really this. I wrote down this definition. It's an inward drive to keep you going when you're tired, hurt, or things don't go your way. And in fact, uh, there's a book that came out this uh, last year by Angela Duckworth. Uh, in fact, I have three resources listed in your uh, program. Actually, uh, one is a Christian book by Andy Stanley. Two are uh, by not from a Christian perspective, although Malcolm Gladwell has since become a follower of Jesus Christ. But they, they basically say the same thing uh, in, in a sense. Is that talent is important but overrated and is not going to be how you find success, even in your workplace. Talent will not take you to great success. Talent is a great place to start. In fact, Gladwell says this about people who seem to be naturally talented at something, musicians and that. You know what he says the commonality is? They spent 10,000 hours practicing, and then they showed up with some talent. That, that, that's true. You think of the great virtuosos in, in music. They put in a minimum of 10,000 hours, and then... Uh, they're a great success. So I should be like a great success at Netflix at this point. Because <laughs> <The>, uh, <laughs> I put in at least 10,000 hours. Uh, well, you know, so we think about this. And see, here's the potential challenges uh, when it comes to grit. One, we maybe, we don't have much. We feel like, you know, I just don't have that in my life. I don't have that, that sense of want to. I'm, I'm sort of a laid back person. But if that's you, I'm going to challenge you because I don't think that's necessarily true. I think number two is we apply it selectively. That we will uh, apply this grit to our life in a more selective uh, fashion. Because I'll, I'll talk to people and, you know, maybe a guy and he's 30 years old or uh, maybe older and like, oh man, I have a hard time with the job and I just don't, I'm not that much, I'm just not good at at really putting my nose to the grindstone. And then later in the conversation, he'll talk about how he's a guild leader in World of Warcraft and all of that. And it's like, yeah, you have grit, but just when it comes to something besides your work. In fact, I've talked to people too who have been successful financially and in their vocation. And there's this myth is because I've done well in that, I will, be, I will do well in other areas of my life. And oftentimes I find that's not true. In fact, sometimes we put so much effort into one area, we find failure in another area. And, and we think, well, they should just know that I'm doing my best here, and so that makes me a good parent. No, see, we need that same level of grit when it comes to parenting, when it comes to marriage, 
when it comes to the other areas of our life. There's a study done, and it's referenced by Angela Duckworth in her book. It was uh, 1940 at Harvard University, 130 sophomore males, all uh, basically uh, same physical condition, background. And they did this, they evaluated them when it came to uh, what was their IQ, what was their family background, their parents' education, wealth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All these different factors about them and their family and their circumstance. They wanted to find out what made people successful. And they followed them for 70 years. Yes, 70 years, every two years. There were senators, there was president, uh, CEOs of Fortune 100 companies in there. There were a lot of successful people. There were people, even though they had that Harvard education, who were not successful. And here's one thing they found. There was something else they did, is they did a five-minute treadmill test. Now, I, I, I'm, you know, not a treadmill guy, but I think I'm good for five minutes. Even after Thanksgiving dinner, I'm good for five minutes. So a five-minute treadmill test, the only catch was it is they put it on incline. Any of you inclined people on the treadmill? Any of you not inclined people? Any of you searching for decline? <laughs> uh, the, uh, so, we have, uh, so, so we have this. They put it on incline. Really, uh, for you know, a 19-year-old male in good physical condition should be able to do that for five minutes. But... Uh, the average person only lasted about four minutes. So if they followed these people over the last 70 years. They looked at every single factor, but the number one factor that they found that determined success or not success was not uh, IQ, was not educate, was in that it was this five-minute treadmill test. And that was the thing that, they, with the most accurate, the most accurate way, they could determine whether or not this person would be successful or not successful. You know what they were measuring? They were measuring grit. See, it's that sticking with something that, that really we want to do, but often we don't. And, and so, so I'm going to get into this in a moment, some of the principles behind this, because I think we all have this want to, but often we don't know the how to. And so uh, today what I want to look at is, yes, primarily our life with God. And so I want to look at an example from the Bible. You may have uh, read this if you're a Bible person, but I want you to look at this, this one with new eyes. It's in uh, Luke chapter 19. It's a man, about a man named Zacchaeus. If you grew up in church, you probably heard the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and you didn't know anything much else about him. Here's what we learn in the scripture. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and wealthy. So what do we know? Well, we know this about ancient culture, especially the Roman occupation, is that they had, uh, I, I think they call them little mikos and big mikoses. They were tax collectors. And the, uh, the regular tax collectors would have a tax collector booth and they'd uh, collect taxes for the Romans. They got to keep part of it and give the uh, rest on to Rome. There are people who would be highly successful and they would be able to become a chief tax collector. And so we know that he was successful, that he had success as a chief tax collector and he was rich. So when it came to his life, uh, career, check. Winner. Wealth, yes, winner. But he was not satisfied with that being the only definition of his life. In fact, once he had it, he realized he needed greater success. In fact, honestly, here's, here's a problem for some of us, is maybe you're chasing career or financial success, and you're living under the myth at the end of the rainbow 
that everything's going to work out. Where if you achieved it, you'd say, there's this something more that I, I want in my life. And so uh, we, we go on and we read. Uh, he wanted to see who Jesus uh, was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. So uh, the situation there is people aren't going to let him in. He worked for the occupying Roman government, not a very popular guy. And he's willing to do something that looks foolish to get the success he wants. And that really, doesn't that apply to our life? That sometimes we have to humble ourselves to get the success we want. Somebody says, oh man, I just, I want to, I want a great marriage. Well, are you willing to get help? Oh, I don't want to do that. Because it's humbling. It's saying that maybe I'm not the smartest person in the room when it comes to this. Maybe it's counseling. Maybe it's one of the ministries we offer here at church. And so he does that. And uh, this is what we read. Uh, in that uh, since Jesus was coming... That, and, and he could not see over the crowd. He ran and he climbed the sycamore fig tree. And uh, later on, it says, when Jesus uh, reached the spot, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. So Jesus uh, responds to him, invites him, and he says this, I must stay at your house. So he came down and at once welcomed him gladly. He was expecting a different uh, reception because people viewed him as a religious outcast. And uh, it goes on, uh, to describe what happens uh, that all the people uh, began to mutter that he's been gone to be the guest of a sinner but Zacchaeus stood up and said Lord, Lord here and now I give half my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anyone out of anything I will pay him back four times the amount so we see that what was happening here Did, was Jesus shaking him down for money? no he, he knew what it would take to put his heart towards the Lord. In fact, by, by the way, if you're new here, we're not like, we don't have a special offering, we're not in a financial campaign. Whew, breathe a little bit. Uh, and I want to tell you that to tell you this. Uh, money is usually going to determine where your heart is. Your heart doesn't determine where your money goes. Your money, you put your... And so that's why the Bible teaches the principle of tithing, putting God first and all of that. Like I said, I'm not in any... I say this because this is a spiritual principle. You're not going to get the growth you want until you take that, those sort of steps. See, he didn't have to. You know, giving doesn't... You don't have... It doesn't cost you anything. Every once in a while, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get this. Is Well, what do I have to give to come here? And I always tell him the same thing, a million dollars. The, uh, no. <laughs> no, it's about your heart. And if we want that progress, then, see, see he took what was most important to him and said, God, this is not going to be more important than you. And Jesus said to him, today's salvation has come to this house. Uh, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And so we see this man who, who had had a sense of grit in his life, he had had some success, and then he applies it to his spiritual life. 
And as we move in the new year, here's what I want to look at. I want to look at some grit principles so that we can go beyond good intentions and we can make some progress this year. And my prayer is that God will speak to you in this. So what do we learn as we look at Hebrews chapter 12? The first thing is to live in a broad context. Uh, and in fact, uh, it says in chapter 11, it gives this example of this cloud of witnesses, of people who lived a life of faith, and you wouldn't expect them to be successful. There's Joseph who, was, who had been sold into slavery. It seemed like God was against him his whole life. And what would he say to us today? He would say, even though you think God is against you, the rest of the story has not been written. Just keep on, keep on going. That God is working behind the scenes. There's Rahab the prostitute. She's listed as a hero of faith. You're like, whoa, what's that about? We should say, hey, your past does not have to define you. There's Abraham, and, and God told him to follow him, but God didn't give him a complete story. And Abraham would say, hey, just take your, your next step, your next right step, and God will show you the way after that. We need to live in this broad context for our life. The second thing we learn is to intentionally declutter your life. Uh, it says in Hebrews 12, 1, and we can keep this verse up for a moment. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So here's what we usually, when, if you read that verse, what do you hear? Stop sinning. How many of you, that's news to you? No, no, right? Yeah, like, don't do bad things. Okay, we get that. That's not any new information. Not many of us say, you know what? I really want to be sinful and do horrible things. Uh, no, unless you're a sociopath. <laughs> then if you are, just remember, I'm your friend. No, the, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> getting a little nervous sometimes up here. But, we, we know that, we know that, we may have a hard time living that out, but the first part of it says this, let us throw off everything that hinders, and the sin. You know that there are some things that hinder you in your life, and they're not sinful? In fact, they were good things. They were good things from the last season of your life that God is calling you not to bring into the next season of your life. Well, well, an example of this, maybe you're a, a mom or a dad, and you coach your kid's team. By the way, that's a good thing. That's being a good member of the community. That's being a good parent. But maybe now your kids are older and you have other kids, and so now you really can't spend the time with your other kids because you're focusing more on that one child and the coaching there. And that's a good thing. It's just not the thing that's going to serve you well in this next season of your life. And so that's something that you, that's a good thing that you will leave behind. Maybe, uh, or with kids and activities. I mean, if you, uh, how many parents are here today, by the way? Yeah. I mean, don't, aren't the activities crazy? Yeah, I mean, there's sports, there's music, there's everything in the world. And, and some, it's good when kids are younger, let them try out a lot of different things. That's good. When they're older, that's going to cost you thousands in therapy. Uh, no, because that's actually, that's not being a good parent, to be frank with you. Being a good parent is determining at some point where we sort of, we pull things back a little bit. And especially if they don't have time for their relationship uh, with God. And so, uh, you know, we don't have like, we don't take church attendance and you got it. But here's one thing I know is that a spiritual life only happens when there is a life with God. 
So maybe it's time to pull back our career. Uh, in fact, I did a four-week series on work. Work is a good thing. It's a God thing. You are meant for work. It's not a curse. It's something that we're meant to be productive. Uh, and maybe for you, uh, early on, it would be, hey, I worked hard. And by the way, if you're, start, if you're young, starting your career, work hard. You, you know what? It's not work-life balance. It's mostly work, and then you'll get some balance when you've gotten some success. And people won't tell that to you. They'll actually, employers may not even tell you the truth. Because here's the truth is you need to put some points on the board. Otherwise, you're never going to get that balance. If you're starting a new job, extra hours. That's part of it. That's just life. But here's the deal. Is, so some of you, you said, hey, man, I know that. And so when I started my career, I traveled wherever they wanted me to go. I worked hard. I put in the extra hours. But maybe you're at a point right now where you're okay. And, if, and I don't want to pick on people who travel, but maybe you control your own schedule. And honestly, you could cut down your travel 20% and you, it would not affect your job or your promotion. And you know you could. But you've just gotten the habit of doing it. That you could do that tomorrow. And so now we're going to leave that part behind. It's okay. It served you well. It wasn't a bad thing, but it's not the today thing in your life. What's that good thing from the last season that's not supposed to be brought into the next season of your life? You identify that, and you're going to make room for God. And then we need to set and stay on course. We need to say, okay, God, what's the course that you have me on? And God, I want to continue on that course. John Maxwell, who's uh, a great writer, he's actually uh, uh, was a pastor, uh, still a great follower of Christ, he says this, people have uphill hopes and downhill habits. This means that uh, some of us are making decisions today that are in line with our habits, not our hopes. Hebrews 12.1, it says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So what's the race? What, what, what's your step? Every, every time this, uh, uh, th this first of the year, as we head in the first week of the year, I always challenge a little bit. And that, this is why, because I know you're more open to it. And the challenge is this. What's the spiritual step you're going to take this week, this year? Now, don't, don't be like me, where it's like, you know, like working out. I'm going to work out more this year. What, is, what does that mean? That means I'm never going to work out. If I say I'm going to work out at Tuesday at 7 a.m., that means I'm going to do it. You, you get what I'm saying? Is hopes are one thing. But what's your plan? What is your plan for spiritual growth this year? Uh, one of the things we have is, in fact, on, on your connection card. And by, the, by the way, this is not, this is not like some you know, multi-level marketing scheme, or we're not trying to, uh, it just, it's just one of those things where I want you to consider some steps. So take out, I'll take out your connection cards. Uh, go ahead, I'll wait. And, and uh, I just want you to consider if one of these steps, or maybe it's one that's not on the card, might be one of your steps for this next year. That you, see, we grow when we are intentional. 
The first one is commit my life to Jesus Christ. There are some of you here who you've been wandering around Christianity, but your relationship is with the church and not with Jesus. And Jesus will never fail you. And so here's my encouragement, is that you do your business with God and say, God, I really want to give my life to you. And today would be your day, and that'll change your eternity, but it'll also change your tomorrow. Or maybe it's uh, uh, membership we have there. Now, here at membership, we don't have like a six-week class. It's really our portal for connection and community at the church. It's also for you to make sure that we're not like some weird religious cult. Uh, and it's important. Are you, see, I believe every believer, if you're a follower of Christ, and some of you have been taught differently, every follower of Christ should be connected to a Christian community. The Bible is ultimately clear on that. In fact, if you said yes to Jesus, it's not even optional for you. But the question is, is it this community you're supposed to be connected to? I hope so. I mean, it's a bummer. You know it's a bummer for me is people say, oh, this isn't the right church, church fit. And I feel bad. Do you know what makes me feel worse? Is if you don't find that place that's that connection. And we want to help you find friends and, and, and a purpose in God's ministry here. So I encourage you to go to that. We have free child care and, and food and all of that. We make it easy for you. Or maybe it's baptism. Uh, that you, uh, you haven't been baptized since you believed. The scripture is clear is that one of the, the responses to accepting Jesus Christ is after we have uh, accepted him, we're baptized. Now, I know a lot of you were raised in an environment where you were baptized as a child. And that's about your parents' faith. But all the baptisms in, in the, uh, which is not bad, they wanted you to follow God, and some of you are doing that. But since you've believed, have you been baptized? And that's identifying, it's where we're washing away the old and we're uh, really saying yes to the new. And here's a great thing. You don't have to give anything. You don't have to say anything. But it's that response. And by the way, it's a great, the great thing about being baptized. If you have a hard time sharing your faith, just invite people to church when you're baptized. People, I don't know why people will come. I've seen whole teams from Amazon or Microsoft come because one person was baptized. And uh, I encourage you to take that step. Maybe it's a re-engaged marriage ministry. Maybe you say, hey, my marriage could be better than it is. Uh, or uh, maybe it's in trouble or just needs a tune-up. And you say, no, I'm going to take a step towards that. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll get this. I'll get, well, you know, I've just been telling him. I've just been telling him. And I always ask the Dr. Phil question, how's that working for you? Well, it's not working, but I'm going to tell him some more. And, uh, and I'm having some fun, but can I be real honest? It will just annoy him, make your relationship worse. And that will never work. If you're doing something you've been doing and it's not working, can I tell you, here, here's the good news for today. You're going to continue to fail if you keep on doing the same thing. But if you do something different, God might show up. I can't promise, I don't know what happens in the human heart, but I've just seen couple after couple, person after person change because they said, you know what? We're going to take a step. Maybe it's joining a growth group. I mean, I didn't even put, you know, I didn't even put anything that was there that like serving or giving. Those are maybe, but maybe that's what God's calling you to. I don't know what your next step is. But is there one thing that you will do differently this year because of your faith in Jesus Christ? I encourage you, and when we do that, we see God show up. 
And see, it really comes to number four, is to focus on Jesus. In fact, the scripture goes on, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's the one who makes our faith perfect. We don't. And see, this will produce grit in two ways. One is your trouble will not surprise you. Because we know that Jesus went through trouble. That Jesus struggled. And he, even when he was going to the cross, he said, Father, if it's possible, re- take this cup from me. But he knew that it was so essential for our eternity that he would pay the price for our sin. That he says, not my will, but your will be done. Now, I think that God has a lot of great things in plan, plan for most of us this year. But some of you are going to, you're going to face some challenges. And in that, if your focus is on Jesus, it's not going to surprise you and it's not going to undo you. And then uh, re- the second one is this, is success will not ruin you. Success will not uh, ruin you. See, here's what will happen, is every once in a while we get a little bit of success in our life. And what happens is it can be a negative in other areas of our life. Because we tend to be more selfish. Anyone here a little selfish? Oh, no one. That's great. (laughs) Okay, okay, let me make this easy for you. Uh, Any of you get together with any relatives or friends during the holidays? Right, okay, one other question, raise your hand. Were there any pictures taken? Okay, another question. Who's the first person you looked at in the picture? (laughs) You know, it was you, right? In fact, some of you made them retake the picture because you didn't look good. (laughs) Yeah, of course you did. Because our natural focus is on ourselves. But God God wants... He wants us to know the the bigger plan, the bigger story. And see, we need to remember our why. It says when when you, one person said, when you remember your why, you'll you'll know your way. And Jesus certainly did. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That there's this, since he knew what he was doing, when he went to the cross, he knew the purpose. And for some of you, I know that you're a little tired. You're starting the year not with more energy, with a little less energy. You maybe have uh, toddlers, and these little blessings are wearing you out. You're looking for a place to hide. You're, you're going to go play hide and seek, and you're going to come back tomorrow. <laughs> some of you, uh, I just gave some of you an idea. The. Uh, some of you, you have teenagers in the house, and honestly, you're not going to, you're going to check out. They're not going to know it, but you're going to know it, and you just say, you know what, I give up trying to be involved in their life. I know in this weekend like this, I know that there's more than one couple that, that you are planning in the very, in the next few days, in the next couple of weeks, you're planning on ending your marriage relationship. And here's what I would say to you. Don't quit until God tells you to quit. That you keep on going. Because you remember, you remember what it's about. There will be seasons where, yeah, there's some things that you're not going to continue anymore. 
But there's a good work God wants to do in you. God wants to do through you. If you remember the why behind it. You know, have you ever seen people who live with a, just a great sense of purpose? And uh, I see people uh, who are like that. Some are, uh, you know, successful in, in, in ways we think of success. Some in ways maybe not. There's a couple when I first came here when the church was one campus, one service, not even, a, no balcony, not, you know, just these two sections and a few people who would sit on the sides. And this couple, when, when I talked about our, uh, our, I, our mission, that we want to get back to the mission of really including people who've been excluded, uh, of helping people to know that God is for them, not against them, that there, there can be a relationship that transforms and it's real. And so as I talked about this, one couple, great, fully on board. Uh, they uh, were a retired couple. Uh, I don't know what they did uh, for a living, but it was obvious that they'd had some uh, career and financial success to, to retire well in life. And, but, but they had this sense of purpose. In fact, they would greet uh, in, uh, in the lobby, and there would be a new person who would show up, and not in a weird way. They'd just make sure that they were welcomed. And even when they weren't on the greeting team, they'd sometimes just stay, and they'd see someone who was hurting, and they'd uh, just, hey, are you Okay. And there's just this passion, and not like I ever had to say anything to them. It was just that this is, they knew the why, that God had a plan. And, and in fact, a few years uh, ago, they moved down to Portland. These people used to be the, some of my favorite people in the church. When they left, I didn't like them anymore. But they, you know, <laughs> actually, I still like them. In fact, uh, they would, uh, uh, see, I, about once a year, I'll speak at a church down in Portland, and they uh, always come visit me. And... Uh, I think it was I, I, just relatively recently, last year or two, uh, the wife, uh, uh, she, Diane, she came and she said, hey, I have cancer, and we pray, and she's tearing up, and, and uh, all, all of that. And so I prayed, and, and I mean, the prognosis is not, not necessarily good. And she said, I want to beat this but my hope is in Jesus. And I thought it was an interesting statement, and I, I was reminded of that as she lost her battle with cancer. And for someone who's a good person, you know how you feel that just, that loss? And as a pastor, you get asked to do a lot of funerals and that kind of thing. And sometimes, even for some people, there's a sense of hope. You know, like, oh, man, I so hope and people will say, oh, she's in a better place. And I believe that better place is heaven. It's a real place. But then sometimes there's confidence. It's not a hope. It's, I am convinced that the faith that she had and put, that was very, very clear, that that faith had a payoff, yes, in this life and in the next. And even though facing death had that level of confidence, you know, I don't know what's I don't know what's going to come your way this year, and hopefully it's nothing as bad as a cancer or something like that. But I know you can live with that confidence that produces joy in the meantime. That produces joy when you get a layoff notice. That produces joy when someone walks out on you. 
that you say, I know, my, I know that God has, he will not give up on me. And I know God has a purpose for my life. And I know that for some of you, there's going to be, you're going to be more blessed than you ever thought you would be this year. There's going to be, God's going to show up in, in ways, uh, you're, you know, with relationships, uh, financially. But I just want you to know this. That grit is having that sense of confidence and hope when everything around would lead you to believe something else saying that that I'm determined because God has been determined to reach me. And maybe for you, it's just, you know, you say, hey, I know that, but I'm just thinking about my response. And so what I want to do is not have you respond to me so much, but have you respond to God as we uh, close in prayer together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we can come to you God, that we can have uh, this confidence. God, I pray for my friends. And honestly, what we need to do is we need to say, God, I need to respond to you. Because you've given so much to me, because God, uh, God, I just want to live a life of overflow with my time, with my relationships. And God, that, that I, I want to be that person of gratitude. And God, there are others of us where we know that it's going to take a little bit of grit to get through this next season. And that wishful thinking is not going to be enough, but God, that we need to have this plan and follow your principles. And in that, we would receive your power. God, I pray for my friends who are right here in this moment. They're struggling, and maybe no one knows next to them, they're struggling. And God, they're, they're, they're about to give up on an area where you've not told them to give up. And God, I just pray that you would meet them in this moment.
Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.